Okay. We're rolling. <laughs> it's great to see you, Marco. It's good to have you here. It's brother. great to be in your real living room. Yeah, this, this is, is where you live. This is my real living room. It's great, and you have people over, and yeah. it's a house of life. Mm-hmm. I love your house of life. You like it? I do. You know, <clears throat> the Divine Mercy, I, I wasn't like, it was you that really, inter- really reintroduced me to it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Isn't it? it should be central. I know. You don't need other pictures around when you have the divine mercy. Little tchotchkes everywhere. Little, little <laughs> spoons from Midwest. Little forgettable tea. cities. Little Virgin Mary teacups. <laughs> Did you really go to South Dakota? <laughs> How'd you know? So, Andrew, I wanted to um, really speak about... Obviously, we reviewed that book by Greg Johnson, yes. Still Time to Care. Yes. Uh, but before we get into the, to the <clears throat> nitty-gritty of that, and yes. it's just some points that we wanted to highlight, yeah. um, I wanted to, to focus on what it actually means for someone to be transformed in the area of their same-sex attraction. Like, yeah. we use that term a lot, right? Transformational. Are you a transformational ministry? Are yeah. you? And people throw that around as, a, as a, a little bit of a bad word. Oh, they're, yeah. a, they're a changed ministry or a transformational yeah. ministry. Yeah. But what does it mean? Like, what does it yeah. mean for someone to experience the transformational power of Jesus in the area of same-sex attraction? Yeah. It's a great question. And obviously, it's a Christocentric answer. So... It's all about positing one's being Hmm. upon Jesus Christ. And so his redemptive power is about reconciling us, body, soul, and spirit, Hmm. to what we are created for. Obviously, our bodies all have a direction in regards to our, our intrinsic masculinity or femininity. And Jesus, I think helps us when, for any number of reasons, we've been frustrated in the subconscious and conscious reckoning Mm. with the good of this, the good of my masculine being, body, soul, and spirit, that has a direction, which means I'm called to to be intentional in my relationships uh, with the opposite gender, as far as wanting to discover that beautiful dance Hmm. of difference. And I think Jesus simply helps align us with that reality and encourages us onward in that trajectory. And it's a trajectory. It's an orientation, but it's it's a lifetime plan uh, and process of being reconciled and it, it's it's big and important and clear in mm. regards to who we are. A little fuzzy and sometimes opaque because of sin and mm. and all the things that can frustrate that reconciliation. But he's ever clear and so close to us in that process. So that's how I would see transformation. Sure. That doesn't mean an absence of same-sex feelings my, my response isn't so much about feelings, mm-hmm. though I think our, our feelings do shift mm-hmm. as we grow in reconciliation with the gift that we are. But 
I think it's a direction. Sure. And I think Jesus is very directional in the area of our sexuality. I mean, two things come up as you talk. One, it sounds like it's both miraculous and natural, Mm -hmm. right? That it's a work of grace that the Lord helps us, but it's also very natural. Mm -hmm. There's just something, like to use the the language of John Paul II, of just rediscovering our lost fullness, Mm -hmm. being reconciled to the good of our masculine frames, our feminine frames. Yes, when you went like that, it was frightening. Did you get scared? for a moment, I was like, don't hurt me. I mean, I was back in fifth grade. Were you? For a moment, but now I'm back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank That's you, the ministry God. of reconciliation. I don't have to live there anymore. You better not. Don't you dare. Next question, please. Oh, my God. No, but I, I do think it is a, it's an yeah. interplay of both the miraculous and, and the natural. Because there know? is a process of becoming a mature enough man or woman, mm-hmm. and that we can become frustrated in that process is just a, a truth. Now, I would say you, <clears throat> you are characteristically known for living out loud, I think, in, in your ministry and in your speaking engagements. and. <laughs> No, but seriously, like you live out loud. (laughs) No, in a good way. Is there an editor? You know, you are disturbing. (laughs) Yeah, but just like being honest. Being honest. So when you have people saying, for example, I I don't experience any sort of same sex attraction anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you don't you don't say that. That's not your tone when you speak about how Jesus encountered you. Right. That seems to be an important nuance. Yeah, it's an important nuance because I think some of our our early experience, desires, those feelings that you have at 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. you know, just like attractions and uh, all of these things that we experience. And of course, we didn't ask to experience them. We kind of bump into them. We bump into ourselves, touching ourselves, eyeing other people. So early on, we all experience that. And I think... Some of those early experiences, they're just deep. They kind of cut a groove in us. So even though we grow and we 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 reach and we aspire and we we cultivate new desires and new desires sometimes emerge and sometimes we cultivate them and Mm -hmm. you know all the above, that we are never capable of at times experiencing those early mm. arousal. I mean, I just think that maybe doesn't take into consideration the depth of some of those experiences yeah. and how long standing they can be. The good news is, in response to your question about transformation, is that those early arousal experiences need not dominate mm. feeling wise and certainly need not define how one sees oneself hmm. in the world yeah. as a moral adult. Right. So, no, that's helpful. Um, so when we speak about Greg Johnson's book, I think a, a big, a big question is this Exodus movement. Yes. So if you could describe to us, like what was, what was Exodus yeah. and, and what really contributed to its demise? Yeah. Great question. I was so, <clears throat> so involved with Exodus for a long time. Um, not in the very beginning, but mid-70s, Jesus people, countercultural, 
communities <clears throat> of teens and young adults becoming Christians, Jesus people, mm-hmm. and so much sexual fluidity and boundary breaking, mostly opposite gender, but a lot of homosexual acting out then too. Um, so Exodus was the sort of Jesus people answer in both the San Francisco area and Southern California area uh, to to how does Jesus help people that have acted out homosexually, maybe, maybe not identified as such. And so many small grassroots mm. countercultural ministries developed in these kind of Jesus people churches around the United States, and then also expanding to other parts of the world. And they were just kind of simple support group opportunities for people that had been gay activated Mm -hmm. or identified to become Jesus identified. It was rather simple. Mm -hmm. And you could say that maybe the simplicity and maybe also the plurality of so many different kinds of churches Um, So many Protestant churches became a part of this wave of sort of charismatic renewal. So Mm -hmm. there's all these different voices and traditions, some a little bit more counseling related, others just sort of Bible related and and all all the mixtures in between, predominantly led by lay persons Mm. under the auspice of elders and pastors, whatever the kind of church or denomination it was. So that's what it was. And I was kind of an early player in Los Angeles, you know, as Desert Stream began in 1980. We were happily a part of the Exodus Network and so happy to have colleagues Mm. from whom we could learn. Frank Worthen, Mm -hmm. who started Exodus, Mm -hmm. along with some guys in Southern California. He was from the North. Uh, San Francisco. He was a mentor. He's a was a wonderful man. Mm. He's dead now, but his beautiful wife Anita, just wonderful people, mm. great people. And so it really offends me mm. when it's besmirched sure. as being this coercive, ugly. We were, you know, kind of this totally revisionistic mm. 21st century <clears throat> understanding that gay just is, it's an immovable reality, kind of now, whatever you think you are is just what it is. Yeah. To say that Exodus was kind of marked mm. by coercive, heavy-handed, mm. dress like this, say it like this, do it like this, it's just fake. Mm. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit that considered, wow, this is a deep and painful and in that era still very shameful Mm. reality to be bearing about in one's body Mm -hmm. as one is trying to make a go of it in the Christian community. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful for Exodus. We at Desert Stream continued to contribute to, to Exodus I contributed significantly in the 80s, but Living Waters was developing. Living Waters is a little different. Living Waters is heterogeneous. It's not only dealing with people coming out of same-sex attraction. It was always very church-based, insisting that it be only a part of a greater diverse community. So some of the integrative issues were always a part of what we did as we were part of the original Vineyard Church, and so on and so forth. That was a little different Mm -hmm. from what you could say was a bit more of a parachurch model and a bit more only focus on same-sex attraction with Exodus. I'm happy with that. I'm (laughs) glad they were doing what they did. And I'm really mad at Mm -hmm. Alan Chambers and 
um, arbitrary, weak leadership moves mm -hmm. that I think was a folding into the culture. Finally, in 2012, he just announces at the last Exodus conference, uh, we're just not going to exist anymore because he ran it into the ground. Mm. So that wasn't Exodus failure. It mm. was the last rung of leadership. Yeah. Alan Chambers. I pin that failure on Alan Chambers, mm. not the intrinsic flaws of Exodus. Uh, but I would say, as an Exodus former member, we did have a slightly different approach that maybe has contributed, maybe by the grace of God, to our longevity. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I'm not patting <clears throat> myself on the back. I, I, it's still a hill I would die on. Sure. Where yeah. these people that were supporting and giving blood, sweat, and tears and the gift of their extra time mm -hmm. to serve hurting people like them. Right. And so, so, so this book that cites it as a, as a rotting cadaver, mm -hmm. and he keeps on every chapter is like, and this movement is dead, another <laughs> nail on the coffin. And I'm like, oh, 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 you're piercing me, yeah, pal. Yeah, he, he classifies you yeah. as a relic. Yeah, I'm yeah. a relic. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Uh, you know, thank God for this lighting. I mean, I'm, I am falling apart. My flesh is just wasting. Well, how do you take that? I mean, you, yeah. when we first got the book, I didn't, I didn't really know if you were going to be a player in it. Yeah. But you, you played a significant role throughout yeah. the book. You yeah, know? because I was foundational to Exodus's ideology in the 80s. Sure. And then again to... to to, to the renewed and beautiful expression of former Exodus, Restored Hope Network. I was mm -hmm. key to, to some of that, working so gratefully with Ann Paul, mm. Stephen Black, Frank Worthen initially. So grateful for all those guys. Denise Schick, uh, still alive and well yeah. and doing a great job. That was obviously the early part of, of the new millennium. But, but yeah, so... Desert Stream, long story short, sorry, I don't mean no, to go no, on no, and on. No. Desert Stream, because of Living Waters and because that, was, that really became our emphasis beginning in the late 80s, we kind of segued off because it became a bit of a conflict of interest. Okay. We as an Exodus ministry had a very particular export, which is Living Waters, which right. any church or community can run. And we train people to do that. It became a bit of... That's what we're going to be about, mm. not so much about this, these sort of Exodus conferences and gatherings. Uh, but I, I continued in relationship, and it was really sad to see it go. Sure. I think when you have really crummy leadership, sometimes things just have to go. Right. And in the free church world, that can happen. Yeah. It's not like there's this historic continuity. Things can return to the soil and new things can emerge yeah. as they have with Restored Hope Network. I think what's so distressing is what has really taken off post-Exodus is the revoice sure. reality right. and, and, and a world that really shifted <clears throat> from homosexuality being seen as any kind of a disorder to being, that's who you are, we celebrate you. Right. Everyone is behind you, and anyone who questions whether or not this is the best expression of yourself is seen as a hater. Mm. And so Revoice rode that wave mm. and joined, and I'm, I'm the first to say, wow, for many people, including myself, SSA goes deep. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of those grooves. I'm aware that I can still be caught, and only by the grace of God am I free, yeah. free for the good life God has given me. 
I'm no stranger to struggle in that regard. But for those who didn't want to struggle Hmm. and who were given a pass because of huge changes at the end of the millennium and certainly now, you know, freeway, free fall, immovable object that (laughs) I think Eve Trishnet describes homosexuality, this immovable object. I'm like, whoa. Your God's too small, girl. Yeah. But there's struggle involved. And when yeah. you don't want to struggle and you want to go with the wave of the 21st century and yeah. ride the, the rainbow current, then, then that's what Revoice did. And yeah. basically said, we're going to provide a gathering place and a talking space and a safe space for you now to be a gay Christian. Right. Whether you're active or not, hmm. you're going to be a gay Christian and that's all good. Hmm. And I say... No way. Amen. And that is a hill I would die on. Yeah. That Jesus came to abolish any identification other than who we are as male and female, sons and daughters, man and woman, created to dignify the other Mm -hmm. in all of our fullness and weakness. Yeah. So, So to give Christians a rainbow pass is anathema to me mm-hmm. and undercuts why Jesus came. Yeah. I think it also simplifies the moral issue at stake. Yeah. Right? I think people want to simplify it as, well, I didn't get the cure. Yeah. You know, I didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah. But it's sort of bypassing the fact that these are moral issues. Yes. Which means operative in my healing is my will. Yes. It has to be constantly yes. engaged and involved. <clears throat> it's not like the hemorrhaging woman who could just touch the cloak and right. like, I'm, I'm healed. Right. You know? Right. These are moral issues, which means that there needs to be moral solutions. Absolutely. So I think the, the whole idea of virtue ethics and getting, getting into the groove of living a chase life. This is why we love chastity at Desert Stream. Yes. It's really helpful in understanding yes. and not not sort of um, just just falling into, well, it didn't work for me. Yes. It's, it's so a, popular today, yeah. you know, with a lot of the people that are being amplified, uh, yeah. anti-Exodus right, movements. Right. Like, it just didn't work. And then you add tons <clears throat> of victim speak yeah. to that. We're seeing everyone as being oppressed by the church or a mm-hmm. system, whether it's Exodus or whether it's a heavy-handed preacher yeah. or, um, you know, we're, we're, we're surrounded by that. Yeah. And you need to be wholly protected yeah. to have whatever narrative you want. And if anyone kind of challenges that on any objective ground, be it a clear understanding of Scripture, mm-hmm. be it uh, church teaching, mm-hmm. uh, be it virtue mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of the Catholic understanding of moral theology. It's like, oh, no, don't. You're stepping on my story. Yeah. And it's like, well, I want my story to conform to what is. Mm-hmm. And that has to have a basis other than just what I think and feel. Right. And secondly, that requires an openness to this Jesus who is always present and always moving Mm -hmm. and always engaging, willing to engage in the unseen realities of my deep and sometimes complicated life. Come Holy Spirit. So to say it didn't work for me is like saying, well, is he alive and well? Mm. Do you believe in Calvary? (laughs) Do you believe in Pentecost? Do you believe that that somehow there's a spirit that lives in you, which is the spirit of sonship Mm. and daughterhood? that breaks the power 
of all your former allegiances. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's pure Pauline theology. You bring up a good point just about the, the sonship, the daughterhood running through us. And uh, Greg Johnson, in his book, Still Time to Care, he misuses, I think, the word orientation. Mm-hmm. You know, orientation is kind of thrown around today mm-hmm. as... You know, whatever you want, whatever you want to be, whatever your your uh, self identification is, yeah. that's that's your orientation. And yeah. we would say, well, I think you should think a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think it, it what's happening in the kind of multiplicity of sexual selves is that you used to be able for about twenty years you can kind of argue like, well, some people seem to have a pretty static experience of same sex attraction and so let's just be nice to them and let's, you know, acknowledge that this is kind of an unchanging condition. Thus Maybe they could and should identify as that and mm. have special things, you know, like marriage, <laughs> like children, or whatever. But it was one thing. Yeah. Now with the kind of hemorrhaging mm. of, of the young sexual self into many, many selves, he kind of has to say, well, what is orientation? It's mm. kind of like, well, th- that old model that old model of the homosexual orientation doesn't really work anymore because mm. people shift. Yeah. People are fluid. Sure. People may want the freedom to choose a new narrative. You just really shouldn't choose chastity as your narrative mm. because that's, I guess, repressive mm. or you know, whatever the case might be. And so I do think there's, we have real problems with that. And we want to go deeper in the spirit of St. John Paul II to understanding orientation based upon the witness of our bodies, uh, the the witness of what may be a a kind of dormant psychology. You know, there may be points at which we're not wholly reconciled to the good gift of our bodies and not wholly cognizant of the good gift of her or his body um, because of many different factors, but that we're still called through Jesus. We're still responsible for something of Eden. We're yeah. still responsible for, for somehow going forward hmm. with something of that original innocence being reclaimed right, in us. Right. And that we can experience that hmm. and that we can have real experiences that support our beliefs of who this other is Mm. for some of us having never seen him before never seen her before you know seeing them as like oh kind of a good friend or kind of an overbearing mother or the kind of pale prelate (laughs) (laughs) like oh okay like just don't get so close you know but to, to enter into this dynamic I think is how we would understand For sure. orientation and just saying that that's what I want to be about. Yeah. And so that means I, I need to see my same sex friends <clears throat> differently and not kind of be caught in little love games of <laughs> right. what I can never have. And thus I'm so noble of me to not dream of you constantly. It's like, well, yeah, I'm sorry you can't have all that you want. It's mm. probably not good for you or him, mm. but how great to have a vision beyond just being lovelorn right. because you can't sleep with your best friend. 
Okay. Can Jesus, did you come to open a little bigger horizon for Amen. me? This side of heaven. I mean, yeah, I I get that too. I right, get that. Right. Like, oh, I can't have that. Like, okay, great. I I trust you, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, Amen. I trust in you. Yeah. You know, you know, Greg Greg Johnson kind of, when he speaks about your ethos in Desert Stream mm-hmm. and Living Waters, he kind of uh eschews it a little bit as you know if you can catch the nuance he says something like that yeah because he's just i I think he characterizes it as so many things at play but when i think about the body being theological and emblematic of our identity and our direction our orientation yeah uh, it's very simple yeah you know the fact that the masculine genitalia is direct is directed towards the female yeah and vice versa there's just something there's just something simplifying about that, yeah. emblematic of my identity and my orientation, my yeah. direction. Yeah. And if we can build on that, I just think that's a solid basis solid. of building. Yeah, and then we can say, Lord, <clears throat> I'm just going to live my life and walk my walk. And right. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make decisions to kind of lasso people in badly to my normal quest. Right. That's always kind of pegged on Exodus. Like mm. I, you know, I was just doing that as a cover and mm-hmm. sorry, honey, but yeah, and for the kids and sorry, we lived a life together for 40 years, but now I have to go find me, which is just kind of another mangled midlife crisis in rainbow hues, you know, mm-hmm. but how much better to just say, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to walk this. Yeah. I'm going to live this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to find walking partners. I'm going to find people who know me, know some of the, some of those kind of inside grooves that I can still kind of slip into and say, I, I, I ain't going to slip. Yeah. I ain't going to slip now. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> you know, the world gives you a lot of opportunities to slip. For sure. And so I think it's really great that we can be directional and positive and in the same breath, like weak, mm-hmm. and say, "Yeah, Lord, come on, let your." I love strugglers. I mm. love people who struggle. Yeah, I, that's who I want to be with. Right. That's why I like this ministry. Mm-hmm. I want to be with people who are willing to show up for, you know, at least half a half a year and say, "Hey, help me to get this. Sure. Help me to live like this. Help me to develop friendships that includes this." Mm. And and so to create communities within our worshiping communities where we're actually walking and living it out, I don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, amen. And my wife needs that. My yeah. kids need that. A lot of people need me mm-hmm. to keep working it. When you mention struggler, you, it kind of um, brings up points of, of pain or wounds. And yeah. I also think it brings up the important aspect of the psychological sciences and how, yeah. this, how it influences our understanding yes. of same-sex I'm attraction. I'm very psychological. You are so... I have, I have a lot of psychological insight. <laughs> the accent is a little disturbing. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm going to th- leave I'm, now. I think I'm having a hard time right now. Could I have the next question? I, I need a cigarette. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. the second... So the good. The there, there's good. something impoverished... In Greg's book, in that it doesn't give the psychological sciences a rightful place. In saying, okay, my same-sex attraction behind it, there's meaning that needs mining psychologically. Yeah, amen. And so how do you you approach that? Because I know some Christians, very orthodox Christians, would say, oh, the psychological sciences, they're just, come on, don't focus on that. Yeah, we're beyond that now. Yeah, that's so so Freudian, that's dangerous, be careful. Yeah, and or it's kind of reparative 
monstrous, coercive. Yeah. So let's just not do that. Right. That, and that I think I think hip young pastors want to say we're not going to do that error. Mm. So we'll just sort of do the revoice thing, which is be a gay Christian. Don't don't do it too much, or just be good. Yeah, be good, be orthodox, but. <clears throat> That weird split between you can be gay, just don't act like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's weird. I don't <laughs> want to go to a church like that. Yeah, that's so unclear. Yeah. But I think what we say is, yeah, no quick cures and no quick, oh, this one insight fits all. Like, this is what's wrong with you and I'm going to tell you and sort yeah. of bad heavy-handed inner healing stuff. Mm-hmm. We're nothing about that. It's just being aware that, you know what? There were things that were going on in my young life that I couldn't chart then, mm. and I couldn't control them. But they ac- it actually had a misdirectional impact mm. upon how I felt and how I understood myself. Mm-hmm. So I darn well am going to bring that up before level-headed brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I'm going to bring that up when I confess my sins be they looking and longing on the sly or whatever the case might be, I'm going to bring that up given that this is also an opportunity, not just for forgiveness and covering in weakness, empowering in weakness, but it's also an opportunity to say, Jesus, is there, can you go a little deeper? Yeah. Could you restore something that was taken, lost, mm. never imparted, mm. And my becoming uh, a boy, becoming a man, yeah. uh, is there stuff there? Mm. I love the language of making meaning mm. Mm. of our sexual identities. I think we all do that. Sure. And I think we all do it differently, which is why we, we can have some thematic principles from developmental psychology especially. But... We have to tailor it mm. specifically to each person, and that's where the workings of the Holy Spirit, yeah. who searches out the deep things of each person for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. the, the, the motives and intentions. And I would add to that the deep, the deep source material of the heart out of which comes, I would say, the wellspring of our affections yeah. and our desires mm. and their direction. And I, I, to me, it's a profoundly merciful hmm. invitation. Yeah. So that, in, yes, we say, repent of your sin. Yeah. If you're attaching to false things that are contributing and empowering desires that God could never bless hmm. and relationships that are inherently violating to everyone involved, yeah. your family, this friend, the greater society, the church around you. Yeah, let's do that. But then let's bring you out into a spacious place where Jesus can can actually help you yeah. and be merciful to you where you were never shown mercy, hmm. where there was no advocacy for you in that time, hmm. where there was no guide. And there may well have been, in spite of our gay-friendly age, a lot of bullying for mm. simply being not as strong mm. or not as pretty or whatever the case might be. And I, I think we, we invite people into that. Mm. And it's an invitation into deeper community 
and I think a deeper integrity of being and a deeper reliance upon the mercy of God. Amen. And I think when you when you speak of that, it reminds me of just the need that we have to till the ground of our nature, so to speak, psychologically, so as to be capable of this Holy Spirit that wants to help us to 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 be helped. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's both. It's both operative, yeah. the psychological and the spiritual. Yeah. It's not just, oh, just go to a psychologist and it's going to fix you. Yeah. But it also, you also need a community of believers around you. Yeah, yep. and, I, and that's where I think an integrative approach is essential yeah. in this area. Because it brings together the body, soul, spirit, reality that, of course, we always are. And in this day where we're increasingly splitting off the body altogether and seeing it as another self, Hmm. maybe even another reference point, because I I choose to disidentify with my masculinity or femininity, to say, oh, no, we, we need integration. Yeah. And I think the blood of Jesus... Mm. The spirit of Jesus, the cleansing flood of Jesus is key for all of the above and how we experience that in community. You know, Revoice, just the presence of it, 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 it poses like, a, a, I think, a threat to just a, a solid and clear understanding of the gospel yes. today. And just just mindful of its presence in the Christian yes. world, and I think primarily, probably more in the evangelical world yes. than in the Catholic world. Yes. How do you how do you see pastors really being aware of this? I, I, I wonder yep. at times if pastors yep. are truly aware of the <clears throat> dangerous nuances of Revoice and how it truncates the gospel, yes, and how it it sort of stifles people's becoming, yes. So how, how do you see us being cautious in this age? Yeah. No, we need to be. And shepherds, whether they're Catholic priests, whether they're evangelical ministers, whether they're lay leaders in a looser-knit network of house churches or whatever the case might be, it's important that we, we be truly uh, uh, big brothers and sisters Hmm. to those who are coming in that want Jesus, that love him, that have been enculturated in the LGBTQ identification reality, Hmm. and thus for whom it's completely morally neutral. But Jesus is calling them. Jesus is beckoning to them. He's always looking out for, for the one whose heart has been set upon him. Mm. And so I think as shepherds, as, as big brothers and sisters, whatever the role is, sometimes it's formal or informal, I think it's important to say, let's take another step mm. and mm. let's not misidentify mm-hmm. in light of what it means to be a new creation. That can so easily become Christian ease. Hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean you're a new creation, stamp on it, mm-hmm. just keep it all hidden now. I don't want to talk about it, but wow, that's a big thing. Just take that seriously. Thank you for sharing where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Thank you for bringing that in. Now let's, let's, let's place ourselves before the one who can continue the work hmm that he began in, in drawing you to himself. 
and and eliciting a true hunger for him. Hmm. That's what we're always going for, like with the Samaritan woman. Hungry, a mixture to be sure, but deeper than the cultural, the syncretism Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. work, sexually, spiritually, the hunger for Jesus and to cultivate that and to bring them in. And of course, the way that we're transformed by Jesus is by setting our sights wholly upon him. I remember when, when I was at university, UCLA, and there was this was in the, the late 70s, and uh, the, the, you know, there were lots of, there were gay groups then and gay Christian groups and gay Bible groups and this and that. These are kind of progressive West Coast places. But, you know, I would go because I was a Christian, but all of this stuff was so near to me mm. and I was just sorting it out and I just thought, well, why would I, why would I take that on? If mm. Jesus won all this for me, mm. then why would I work so hard mm. to take on this gay stuff? Mm. Like, to keep it on my back. Like, keep it on. It's yours. I'm like, well, I guess I could. Mm. But it, 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 it actually gets in the way of, mm. of what he won for me. Yeah. It, it's just practical in a way. It keeps me from being holy before him. Mm. It's like I have to hold on to something when he's just asking me to look to him wholly. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't, a, I wasn't, I wasn't anything. I was just mm. a one-year-old Christian. But um, it's, it's proven to be true. And all the more, mm. Uh, as as the days have grown more confusing, yeah. And again, the the shamefulness has become a kind of brazen shamelessness mm. and an insistence of I have a right to be this yeah. in your midst. I'm like, mm, I kind of laid down my rights yeah. when I became a Christian, in the sense that He alone has the freedom to define me. Mm. And um, it's, I think it's one of those things we need to say, the narrow way excludes that. Yeah. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Mm. It's not just I'm killing myself, you're increasing my suicidality. Mm. But no, I'm, I'm going in the narrow gate in order for the mm. horizon to increase. Yeah. And um, certain things have to decrease for that to happen. You know, Andrew, I'll, I'll end on this. Um, I think you're being a Catholic and assuming a lot of the the teachings of John Paul II and even in your new book put out by Sophia Press soon, Joseph Pieper and Thomas Aquinas, just like this solid foundational understanding of the human person and of virtue, it it does give you it does give living waters longevity, mm. I think. Yeah. You know, it gives it a solid basis. We need if I if I if I believed anything more through reading Greg Johnson's book, it's like we need a solid philosophical right. anthropology. Right. When he's kind of flitting through all these kind of various, in his mind, fractured faces of old Exodus, it's like, who is that? Or what church is that? I mean, it's kind of like it is kind of the Wild West of American evangelicalism. Sure. You know, frontier preachers and. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I, I, that's interesting to me. I'll see the movie, maybe. Uh, but, but I do think, yes, um, uh, there, is, there is a solid 
trajectory that we call orientation, mm. but there's something far more solid, and that is the church. Amen. And uh, what what a gift! Talking about integration, what a gift to be founded mm. on the on the rock that is very dynamic. Yeah. Full of water, mm-hmm. you just got to hit it a few times, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but unchanging. Yeah, and to me that 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 is kind of the cornerstone of my integration. Amen. Is is membership in this amazing body, hmm. and so I'm I'm blessed to be a part of it. It's amazing too when we have our trainings here in the United States or even beyond. I think of the the Filipino expression of living water. So the Polish expression, they're so young, Yeah, you know, and even here in Kansas city, it's so young, young faces. So it's so funny. I mean, as a Catholic, we like relics, Greg Johnson. Yes. but (laughs) I don't think we're cadavers. You know, these are people who are saying, I, I want Jesus to help me. On Amen. deep levels Amen. that I have found frustrating. Amen. And he helps us. Yes. And <laughs> how lovely the witness of those, you know, young 20-somethings who, who, through the grace of God, are free to welcome mm. this living water mm. at that phase of their becoming. Yeah. They don't have to be, be 50 or 60 mm. like me. Uh, I'm 48, for the record. <laughs> I've had a hard year. <laughs> um, but um, these young people that are free, and I recall that. Mm. I recall that was Exodus. Yeah. I was in my 20s. Wow. It was, I was free. Like, I want that. I'm going to get that. I didn't have 30 years of defenses, yeah. 30 years of activism, 30 years of building mm. intellectual constructs that actually became a coffin. Yeah. And so how great for us at Living Waters, all the ministries of restored hope, courage. Mm. We didn't invent this. We have a particular expression of it to say, come on, Lord, bring in all of those whom you are calling mm-hmm. in the east, west, <laughs> north, and south. Let them go. Amen. And let us walk with them. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Grateful to be alongside you, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Grateful for you, Mario. Marco. Mario. I call you Mario. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us here on the Desert Streaming Podcast. For more information about us or to get in touch with us, please do visit our website, desertstream.org. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for listening in. Please do share this episode with your friends. And until next time, God bless you.